Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kurt Crosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This is the broadcast for August 27th in the year of our Lord, 2020. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. One of the great peaceful solutions we still have at our fingertips. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. A quick recap of yesterday's broadcast. We talked about the redwood trees. The redwoods and the sequoias survive wildfire in California's oldest state park. That's good news. We need all the good news we can get, right? New footage shows Jacob Blake clashing with the police just seconds before the shooting happens. As so often with video evidence, there is another angle. Jack Davis of the Western Journal. Um, Anyway, the bottom line is this guy's a bad guy. Okay, this Jacob Blake guy. It turns out that uh, he had sexual assault charges against him. He had a warrant out for his arrest. He was uh, trespassing, had disorderly conduct, sexual assault allegations. Prosecutors were going after him. An arrest warrant was out for his arrest. Uh, What was it, July 6th? This was all going down. So when they got this guy, it isn't what you believe. An innocent guy taking care of his children, just had his back to the cops. They murdered him because he was black. It isn't true. Right? It's not even true. That narrative just is false, folks. That's the thing that you got to know. And skipping down to today's news the networks refused to use for a second, since we're on the story about Jacob, it turns out that Julia Jackson, that Jake, that's Jacob Blake's mother. I guess she was on CNN with Don Lemon, and she ripped the rioters. And she apologized to Donald Trump on CNN. Did you know that? She said, hey, the rioters, don't be destroying all kinds of property in my son's name. Don't do it, she says. And then Don Lemon was hoping that she would rip on President Trump and his comments. And she basically said, hey, I'm sorry I missed your phone call, President Trump. Uh, I respect you as president. And anyway, Don Lemon was shocked. The lady stood tall, in my opinion, for the truth, which is, hey, you know what? Let's not riot in anybody's name. And she didn't go off on her son. But you know what? Her son is not a good guy. And that's what we find with every one of these cases. When you dig into it, you find out they didn't die the way they said or, you know, the shooting isn't, you know, as they claimed. This guy had a warrant out for his arrest. He was a sexual predator, uh, all kinds of problems. He was fighting in, uh, with the cops. Uh, turns out, next headline about this gentleman, I guess a um, <clears throat> knife found in the vehicle. So I don't know if he was reaching for a knife or a gun. or uh, All I'm telling you is there's more here than meets the eye. We told you that. The mainstream press always jump into these conclusions. Their goal to be first on the scene makes them wrong oftentimes, and they spread all kinds of dishonest, immoral propaganda theories about who and what and where, and they want a racial narrative. They want to fuel the rioters. Thank heavens for the mother going on CNN and trying to calm everybody down and saying, hold on a minute, it's not Trump's fault. Hey, President Trump's a good president, and let's, 
let's set aside, stop this rioting. Don't do that in my son's name, please. Good for her and good for the truth. And I'm glad the truth is coming out sooner rather than later. Right? Even the big, oh my gosh, I can't breathe story. Turns out that he died of a drug overdose, fentanyl overdose. When are we going to embrace the true narrative? When are we going to step back and say we don't need to be first on the news? Let's be right when we report the news, huh? All right, we talked about the first night of the RNC drew nearly six times more viewers than the first night of the DNC. That's according to C-SPAN. We also talked about Senator Rand Paul hit it out of the park with his speech, told about the first time he met President Trump. President Trump is a charitable man. As a businessman and a doctor, they met and were friends and worked together on several projects to bless people's lives, to take care of those who were in need. Yeah, they were performing charity. Donald Trump was funding it as a businessman, and Rand Paul was the physician on the ground in Guatemala. And um, I guess Haiti and Guatemala were the two places they were working together. And so President Trump says, you know, I'm sorry, Rand Paul says President Trump is actually a really good, nice guy. Pro-life activist Abby Johnson also spoke, discussed her experience working at Planned Parenthood and how dishonest and immoral it was. That's why she's so pro-life. And she highlights that President Trump is the most pro-president that's pro-life, I should say, the most pro-life president um, we've ever had. And amen to that. She's right. Hour two, Liberty Roundtable Live. We discussed Burgess Owens. He's from Utah, a well-known football player, etc., Running for office says America will see a renaissance with GOP House when Trump gets reelected. So this guy's predicting a Trump reelection and we take the House back. When I say we, meaning the Republicans. Uh, they tried to kick Burgess Owens off the speaking trip. They say he plagiarized in the past. And wow, are the Democrats going to kick out Joe Biden for his plagiarism? Double standard, shocking once again. Navajo Nation. I guess the VP, Native Americans, weren't invited to the American dream until Donald Trump was elected. So now even the folks at the Navajo Nations are promoting Donald Trump. The mainstream press wants you to believe that Donald Trump's slipping in the polls everywhere. But, hey, the Navajo Nation VP jumping aboard. Burgess Owens, many black people jumping aboard. Bette Mettler melts down during Rand Paul's RNC speech, quote, Where's his neighbor when we need him? Suggesting that Rand Paul should be assaulted again. Shame on these extremists of all sorts. You know what? Reject the violent nature of these people, please. They render themselves irrelevant, childish, and dangerous is what they've done. Alec Baldwin, quote, Every regular American on this Republican ticket is high. What? <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. These 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 unhinged derelicts are out of control. All right, RNC speaker canceled after quote boosting quote QAnon conspiracies about Jewish plot to enslave the world. Marianne Mendoza's her name, an angel mother, was set to speak on Tuesday night at the RNC, but then she took to Twitter to encourage followers to research. And read a thread about the Rothschilds, the banking cartel. Of course, they kicked her off because you can't talk about, quote, conspiracy theories. But I, why don't we have a real, honest, open debate, maybe with Don Lemon on CNN, about the Federal Reserve and about how it was hatched at Christmas uh, 1910 to 1913 on Jekyll Island? 
Why don't we highlight the book A Creature from Jekyll Island and highlight how evil and dishonest and immoral the Federal Reserve really is? How about if we highlight how they make money out of nothing and violate the Constitution at every turn because it's fake fiat currency, not constitutional money? Why don't we just go ahead, if we're going to talk about QAnon, or we're going to talk about the Federal Reserve, or we're going to talk about the Rothschild banking cartels and all that kind of stuff, let's have an open debate about the truth, shall we? Because they'll lose. The fake news folks will melt down before your very eyes, and the truth about the Federal Reserve will come out. And maybe we can move to honest money. Once again, constitutional currency. The Bible calls it honest weights and measures. Maybe we can do that, huh? All right, they call it a loo with a view. Transparent. Public toilets installed in Tokyo parks. I guess the deal is they're weird, man. When you're uh, not in the toilet, it's transparent. You can see, check if it's clean and, you know, just see it from the outside. When somebody's in there, I guess you can't see in. And so it's, it's, it's kind of a neat thing to where, hey, you know what's going on. <laughs> We've been preaching transparency for quite some time. We never thought it would come to a toilet near you, did you? <laughs> All right, that's a recap of the broadcast that took place just yesterday on Liberty Roundtable Live. It's still available online at libertyroundtable.com and lovingliberty.net as lovingliberty.net. And the recap today is brought to you in part by Raw Honey, delivered directly to your door. It tastes phenomenal, multiple flavors. Did you know bees make different flavored honeys? Yeah, true story. Check it out, Raw Honey, localhoneyman.com. Go to the website, check it out, order today. Or you can call or text 801-669-2211 and ask for Kurt. That's 801-669-2211. Uh, or email Kurt, C-U-R-T, at LibertyRoundTable.com. Speaking of Kurt, welcome back, sir. Buenos dias. Uh, greetings and salutations. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, I guess the guy that supposedly got shot in the back and everything else had a knife, Kurt. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, they're telling him, the way I understand it, the police are telling him, look, stay here, hold still or whatever, and then he's going to get something out of his car. I mean, you know, he, uh, I mean, in the policeman's case, they, he could have been retrieving a gun or doing anything, and for him to be shot in the back when he's doing that, that makes perfect sense to me, but, you know, I just... You know, I know that everybody wants a reason to burn down a courthouse and, you know, buildings and everything else. But, you know, at least some of the uh, good parts about it, it looks like a bunch of the local citizens are kind of had it up to here. They're like, hey, we're not going to let you just because something goes wrong, just let you go hog wild and burn our buildings down around here. And they're showing up to say no. You know, well, so and the idea that good. that they shot him in the back, they made a big deal of this as if, you know, when you shoot somebody in the back, that they're innocent, that they're trying to get away, they're trying to avoid violence, they're trying to stop the violence. When you understand that he was fighting with cops physically on the other side of the vehicle, and then he ran around to this side, and the, vi the video then shows, you know, the shooting and his back turning and all that kind of stuff, it makes it sound like he was super passive. But when you find out the guy uh, literally had a warrant out for his arrest for sexual uh, misdeeds and then you find out that he was fighting with the cops seconds earlier and then you realize he was reaching in the car for a knife and well at the time the cops didn't know what that's not a passive move even though that's the way it appears and it's not a racial discussion it's a defense discussion we're not going to let this thing escalate we warned to watch out and not discuss it too quickly right you know where the solution can be found mr. president in churches, in wedding chapels, 
in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The calm before the storm by a friend of Megagoria. The strategy of heaven revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm, available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, so we warned about this story about Jacob Blake. We said, hey, you know what? We don't have the whole story. And since then, since I warned about that, saying, hey, be careful. They're reporting on this too quickly. This isn't uh, probably just isn't an innocent black man with his back turned just getting murdered by belligerent crazy cops because they're racist and they hate black people. It isn't that way. Now we find out there's another angle video where he was fighting with the cops. We find out he was a sexual predator and there was a warrant out for his arrest. We find out he was involved in a domestic dispute with women involved right now. We find out just seconds earlier he was fighting with the cops. And now we find out that he's reaching into his car for a knife. Well, a knife was found in the car that it was reaching into, so we better say it slightly different. You know, how can the cops know, hey, we better back off because this could go racial quickly? They're just thinking, hey, this is escalating way too fast, and we have got to stop this guy. And uh, I'm not defending uh, anything. I don't know all the details of the story, but I know enough to back off and say, why are they promoting the racial angle to this? Why are they just, and now the mother getting out on CNN Literally, Julia Jackson, that's Jacob Blake's mother, ripping rioters, saying, don't create carnage in my son's name. And she apologizes to Donald Trump on CNN. Don Lemon, shocked, doesn't know how to handle it. Wow. All I can tell you, folks, is they want to be first on the scene with the news, but they get it so wrong so many times, their credibility is virtually shot. All right, Brian Rust, RustCoinandGift.com. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live. Any comment on that stuff, sir? Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's just one more. You know, we 
one more uh, evidence that uh, these news articles are just causing havoc. We we can't trust them, and uh, we're seeing more and more of it. And, it. and it's throwing us, you know, we try to make an educated guess, but yet we have to look, step back a bit and look at the whole scenario and wait for the whole news and to, to but, you know, to come out with some kind of understanding. But yeah, these news medias that jump in and just really cause havoc in our lives. And they've, they've got an agenda, though. Every agenda pushes the racist card, pushes the cops, hate the people. The cops are evil. The cops are killing everybody. The cops have got to be right. stopped. The cops have got to be disfunded, defunded. Why this continued agenda? Can't we just step back and go, wait a minute. Maybe this was a case where this guy is a criminal. This guy was radical. This guy needed to be stopped. It's sad that he got shot. But why would the cops shoot him? Why? It, isn't it important to ask those questions? Absolutely. And, you know, and I, you know that's, that's the thing. There ought to be some accountability in here because they keep throwing out this this fake news that just really causes, a, you know, um, havoc. What would the nation say survive. if they said this, Brian? Hey, a sexual predator that had a warrant out for his arrest was fighting with and attacking cops and was reaching for a knife when they sadly had to stop him. What if the headline said that? Isn't that the truth? Yeah, and and I think you know more people would be supportive of the cops. Right now, they're just making an assumption that these cops are all bad, and uh, and then put a line on on wherever we are that the cops are bad, and let's just defund the, the police. And, but but how and, much does the racial component even relate to this? I don't think it relates at all. I bet you a thousand bucks if a white guy was a sexual predator with a warrant out for his arrest, and the white guy was fighting with the cops second early, seconds earlier physically. And the white guy was literally, you know, reaching into his vehicle for maybe some kind of a weapon to escalate. I guarantee the white guy gets shot, too. I can guarantee it. That's right. And they're not going to report it, probably. Good point. All right. Kirk Crosby wants to switch gears. He wants to know what's going wait, on. Wait, 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 wait. No, just a minute. <laughs> just a minute. Uh, you know, uh, it's like you say, the, uh, you know, it's exactly what's going on, the, you know, the agenda that they've got. I was looking at a CBS Chicago report, you know, which is, I guess, close to the area, and it says, armed group turns out on the third night of protests in Kenosha. So, in other words, you got people that are, you know, seeing that their city and their place, you know, is getting burned down and, you know, under attack. And so you have, um, you know, concerned individuals who are showing up. And, uh, you know, like, for example, uh, it says here that they call themselves the armed citizens to protect our lives and property. They're from Kenosha, you know, and this is a group of people. And uh, the, uh, the it says protesters exchanged words with the armed group as they vowed to protect the city from continued looting and burning. you got to read this way down inside there. It says, heavily armed former Kenosha alderman Kevin Mathewson was amongst the crowd. So, but why wouldn't you be armed and why wouldn't you be kind of, you know, in protective gear if you see these thugs throwing rocks and bricks and, you know, and you got the courthouse all... Uh, they got the windows all covered up and they, they got a fence all around it. Uh, the Matthewson guy said, hey, uh, last night I saw law enforcement outnumbered by thug looting scumbags who were burning down buildings. He says, uh, 
another one says, I'll stand in the way. I'll try and reason with them as much as I could possibly do. Uh, one protester yelled at the armed people, that's why you are out here now, because you want revenge for buildings? <laughs> well, I mean, that's not why. They're, they're just trying to protect their city, and they don't want thugs burning up stuff. And I think, you know, it's good to see some normal people showing up, I think. There you have what it, did Brian. you say I wanted to shift to? Uh, uh, Sam, you wanted to get your update on your plate on your rhodium. Buddy. Oh, that's right, rhodium. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't you want to get your up rhodium update to see how wealthy you become? Buddy? Okay. That's right. I got to <laughs> count all my rhodium. All right. Yeah. Anyway, there's an update though on the on the scandals and the, and the mainstream press's dishonesty is they continue to divide over race. We want to talk about honest money. Brian, let's do it. Where's rhodium at, man? Rhodium at eleven thousand seven hundred, so just down a little bit from the twelve two that it was. Ah, poor Kurt's losing cash, man. <laughs> Less Federal Reserve notes for you, my About son. About the same as crypto. <laughs> <laughs> Not crypto's worse, you Kurt. You're doing better than crypto, my friend. All right, All right. where's where's gold sitting, Brian? Uh, gold at nineteen sixty six seventy. Six six seventy. Yep. And uh, silver's at twenty seven ninety. Uh, so silver's so, up a little, back up a little. So rhodium's down, silver's up, and what gold kind of going sideways? <laughs> uh, gold's up a little. It's probably I think thirty dollars. Nineteen sixty six seventy. Yeah. All right, Kurt, you got you got to start getting more gold and less rhodium, buddy. Well, speaking of gold, the headline I see, uh, you know, in the mainstream media, the headline says, uh, gold is a bigger bubble than tech, says, and the guy they, they quote is a $63 billion asset manager. Um, yeah, what you better I'm do, thinking, Curtis, flee yeah. to the dollar for safety from gold, buddy. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, get yourself some stocks that are, you know, Google and Facebook and stuff like that where you got some real uh, value. Yeah, just go to the small right. bubble. Don't yeah, you dare right. get into the big bubble there, Kurt. <laughs> yeah. It's like, now, wow. Brian, what do you expect to happen here? As we approach the election, they say October surprise usually kind of uh, scares folks, and uh, a lot of people are kind of fleeing the dollar as, as some of these other countries start to make their move to jettison the, quote, global currency, et cetera. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Is it going to get? Is it going to be a bumpy ride? Well, I think so. I think going forward uh, right now we're, we're going to see some of the same things that are happening we're seeing especially in the, in the in the markets as far as your paper markets you're seeing real you know peaks and valleys it's bouncing up and down it'll, it'll spike up and then you know uh that but, but that's that's still part of that uh, manipulation market that, that's happening and uh as far as metals go i think your metals have tended to stay over the last few months or stayed fairly high regardless of ups and downs and, and spikes so you know i think and i think you know obviously i think your metals still have room to go because i think our financial uh, situation is not very good and uh so you know we're just pushing more debt you know people uh having to get into more debt to to uh pay for pay for things you know i mean it's just the way it is if you've lost your job like the u.s government you're yeah, talking about the government 
Yeah, that, yeah, well, that's yeah, the government's that, part where of we that, spend right? a few more trillions of dollars, and uh, every time we print more of those, it seems like all the other ones would be worth less. And you know what so they're calling then, you guys, don't you? You yeah, know what the new term for you point. is, Brian? Are we the doomsdayers? Uh, well, you're a deficit hawk. The deficit oh, hawk. Yeah. That's right. You know, like the war hawks, <laughs> the guys that want war and stuff like that. Right. We just we yeah, but see, there's there's a way you can put gold into your portfolio. You just buy gold stocks. You don't buy yeah. you know the real <laughs> stuff. Your because, and then what happens you know. when I need to take possession of it? Yeah, that's right. Well, you just show somebody the paper. You know, you show them the paper and yeah. you know, the paper, you tell them, hey, like, this, this paper is good. That's like the bulls running towards the IRS agent. The farmer says, show them your paperwork. <laughs> All right, hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. That's Brian exactly Rust right. with us, Kirk Crosby on your radio. I'm Sam Bushman. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. Second Lady Karen Pence used her speech at the Republican National Convention to pay homage to the military. I have been privileged to hear so many stories of selfless support, volunteer spirit, and great contributions to the armed forces and our communities. Also speaking at the convention's third night, was Kellyanne Conway, the outgoing counselor to President Trump. President Trump and Vice President Pence have lifted Americans, provided them with dignity, opportunity, and results. I have seen firsthand many times the president comforting and encouraging a child who has lost a parent, a parent who has lost a child. Vice President Mike Pence spoke from Fort McHenry in Baltimore. The Dow gained 83 points. This is USA Radio News. I'm Dr. John Howe, veterinarian and 2020-2021 AVMA immediate past president with the latest on COVID-19 and pets. There's been a very limited number of infections in companion animals, with most cases asymptomatic or with minor respiratory issues. Here are some key tips. If you're healthy, keep practicing good hygiene with your pet. Wash your hands before and after playtime and when handling food, waste, or supplies. It's best if you don't let your pets interact with people or pets outside your household, especially if you're in an area with community spread. Exercise is important for your pet, but try to steer clear of crowded dog parks. Mind the heat. Socially distance. Keep cats indoors whenever possible. If you're ill with COVID-19, try to have someone care for your pets. If you can't always wear a mask, Don't share food, kiss, or hug your pets, and wash your hands before and after any contact. For more information on keeping your pets happy, healthy, and safe, visit avma.org. Hurricane Laura now has sustained winds of 150 miles per hour. The latest on the storm from USA Radio Network's Timberg. Hurricane Laura is now a Category 4 storm. The National Hurricane Center in Miami calling the storm extremely dangerous as it moves in the direction of Texas and Louisiana. Many residents have fled to higher ground, but not Marilyn Sachitola. She tells CBS News she's lived in the Galveston, Texas area for a number of years and is not leaving. This one's going to be scarier knowing that it's supposed to be stronger and you know, still unpredictable. It's just scary to leave your stuff behind. Several former employees of the Washington football team said there has been a culture of fear and abuse 
along with incidents in which cheerleaders and female employees were exploited or mistreated. The allegations were published by the Washington Post. Team owner Dan Snyder called the story a hit job. You're listening to USA Radio News. All right, USA Today has an interesting article out that I want to bring up to Brian Russ. Russ couldn't get dot com right in shotgun right now on your radio. Could the dollar lose its global status? USA Today. Yeah, I'm telling you, that's what they're talking about. They say it's the most uncertain era of our lives. There's still a few sure things, Brian. Death, taxes, and the dollar status is the world's Reserve currency. Well, you might want to rethink that last one, says USA Today. Could the dollar lose its global status is the question they ask. Your response? Yeah, no doubt about it. I think the world is looking to to make a change. I mean, they're tired. I think they're fed up with the U.S. You know, a lot of of these countries don't like us, our tactics, and we just keep printing money. And so, yeah, I I think the dollar has lost its, its grip. And, and we kind of felt it would. Those that believe in in uh, the Constitution and, and having honest money, uh, we kind of believe that the dollar will not survive based on kind of where what's happening and what what it's gone through. Now, here's what they say. Interestingly enough, this is USA Today, mainstream press stuff, right? The greenback's prominence in foreign exchange markets is being questioned for the first time in recent memory as the coronavirus pandemic blows up the national debt, they say. And then they say in the U.S., response to the crisis falls short of actions taken in other countries. Now, I find that interesting because they're making it sound like we failed with regards to the corona. And that the corona caused all this. And I think, first off, we need to understand the corona didn't cause this. Um, the government response caused this. The government is what shut down the economy, not the corona. We need to understand that first. Now, they say investors, in turn, have been moving money out of dollars and into gold, Brian, weakening further the U.S. currency. Right. They say, although many economists believe the dollar ultimately will hold on to its coveted role on the global financial stage. Some experts say there's at least a chance that it won't. Then they go on and say real concerns around the, quote, longevity of the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency have started to emerge. Do you want to respond to that before we go on? Well, I I think that... uh that the dollar is not really showing strength anyway and hasn't been forever. I mean, you could, we can look at that just in, refle- in, in reflection to what what uh, gold has, has done or, or you know, our metals have done. I mean, it has buying power, and worldwide that has buying power. The dollar has lost its buying power, uh, you know, and we've showed that, and, and we've talked about that in other episodes of, of what 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 will a twenty dollar gold piece buy you? What will a twenty dollar bill buy you? And see evidence that the dollar is just uh, uh, there is no there is no strength, and it's it's just getting more. We just keep pumping it more money into the 
into the our, you know into our lives. Actually, it's government interference, really. I mean, if COVID's giving them an opportunity to interfere as much as much much more, really, in my opinion. I think you're right about that. Now, the interesting next part of the story says this. This is, again, USA Today is what I find fascinating. But here's what it says. In USA Today, the Fed effectively prints money. That substantially increases the supply of dollars and lowers their value. Right. That's right. Now, that is an interesting statement from the mainstream press. It's a rare Admission. Kurt, do you want to respond to that first? Well, uh, yeah, it's definitely a rare admission. And uh, Sam, unlike this story, um, you know, if it's an Associated Press story, like let's say it's a story about that guy getting shot in the back, uh, it's going to go everywhere. Um, But this story from the Associated Press, I'm really, frankly, I'm surprised they'd even write it. And you know, the all these associated people with the Associated Press are probably not going to pick up a story like this uh, because it's, well, I mean, it's something that kind of throws, uh, what would you say, uh, you know, um, water on the party, uh, if you will. Uh, but, you know, all you got to do is, just like Brian said, you know, a $20 gold piece. Hey, a $20 gold piece that costs you now Two thousand dollars. It's out of control, buddy. Yeah, a five dollar gold piece. It costs you two hundred dollars. You know something's wrong there, and it's right on the government's printing. You know it's easy to see. Uh, You know, just like a a one dollar silver coin. You know that costs you nearly thirty. Something's, you know, up. Right? Yeah, something's rotten in Denmark, I'll tell you that right now. Am I allowed to say that? Anyway. Anyway, they say the Fed, Brian, they say the Fed effectively prints money. Therefore, um, that will decrease the value over time. It increases the supply of dollars and uh, decreases their value. And then they say this in the article. This is kind of the most important thing that I want to discuss. They say a persistent weakening of the dollar eventually could lead to the loss of its reserve currency status but they say don't worry that would take years if it would all at all happen and my response is it's gonna happen it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when as these countries flee the dollar it's only a matter of time it isn't an if question it's a when question and how brutal will it be when it happens and that determine that depends on what we do how much backing we do of gold and silver in our money uh, how much we learn to get off the money train and quit spending ourselves into oblivion um the point is we can take steps now to make it not so brutal when the crash landing happens, but there's no way to avoid the crash landing. So it's interesting to me that they say <clears throat> um, a persistent weakening of the dollar eventually could lead to the loss of its reserve currency status. I say it will no matter what. It's only when, Brian. I don't that's think it's that's even right. debatable. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right, and that and that's one of the reasons we've been asking people just to you know, especially my clientele and so on. We're just saying you know, uh, you know, each month if you've got a little extra reserve, you need to be putting into your uh, retirement or into your savings or into that metal that you you can fall back on that gives you peace of mind. Because if you if you look at history, world history, I mean Venezuela, Greece. Let's just go to these countries that have had these major. Uh, 
you know, problem, they're waiting in line at a bank. Now, if you have, if you can turn and, and pull some some uh, silver or gold out of your, your your savings that you have physically in your hand, you have peace of mind. You you don't have to go wait in line to get help. You can get some the the these funny backs or whatever uh, at the bank, uh, fill you know the paper to wait in line to to per- survive. You have immediate liquidity right there and that's that's kind of what we've been saying because eventually this is going to happen so we're asking people to get prepared and i don't believe it's even a maybe discussion I and mean, the way they put it eventually and maybe and take years they're trying to admit that it can happen but they're suggesting that it's a long way off if at all and i say to you that not only is it not if at all that's a virtual guarantee that it'll eventually occur but i would submit to you that it's not that far off okay and the reason that i say that has to do with a term called the confidence game. Okay, understand that the only reason that this currency stays the way it does is because people have confidence in it. But if if something were to happen on the global stage to where there was a lack of confidence, instantly you would have real problems. All it would take would, would be people who have, as Kurt said, who bought certificates for gold or silver, in other words, purchased futures, who demand delivery. And if enough people demand delivery and they couldn't get it, then the confidence game is off. And once the confidence game, confidence game is off, people will start demanding. And people will start, and, and I'm telling you, it would not take long for the route to happen, even if it's not justifiable yet. It could still happen. If you don't believe me, go ask George, and it's a wonderful life. Now, I know that was just That's a movie, right. but all I'm telling you is, hey, That's this right. could happen literally overnight, and they're not admitting the truth on this, Brian. That's right, and that's exactly what would happen. They 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 wouldn't be able to take that paper and get anything, and that's that's the problem. I, I try to tell people, you know, we better diversify, and that's one of my you know metals are important because, okay, so maybe you you invest in stocks and you this is this side of your portfolio, but you better have something on the other side to protect that paper, and and that's what metal does. If you if you have savings in the bank and you're losing that, well, your metals are usually declining, so you're offsetting the loss of your paper. And, and that's why, you know, one of the big factors of metal, you want to protect that. You don't want to have to call someone on the phone and say, yeah, can you give me my, I've got this paper. I need to quit it. <laughs> Sorry. I need to sell. I need to sell this so that I have some income. What, you're, yeah, you and everybody else that has that paper, get over here in this line. Well, if you've got metal, you don't have to get in that line right now. Let's let's take care. We have this real right now that has buying power right now, right? You know, and that's the difference. All right, when we come back, Kurt's got some comments. I got another headline or two to bounce off. Brian, I'm telling you, they're not being genuine and honest. They're admitting the truth for once in the mainstream press, but they're trying to sugarcoat it, pretend that it's a long way off or at all. And I submit to you that it's not if, it's when, and it may not be as long off or long way off as we think, folks. Beware. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues that affect the American West, its people, lifestyles, lands, and wildlife. 
The Loving Liberty Radio Network is proud to support the publisher's efforts to provide an active forum for solutions that preserve the vanishing American cowboy, farmer, and sheep herder. Each issue contains informative articles on life in the American West, along with breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of the cowboy spirit in our day. Each issue of Range Magazine also features great gift ideas, like the 2020 Real Buckaroo Calendar and the book Tales from Out There. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Just click on the shopping cart. The Loving Liberty Radio Network salutes the spirit of the American West and those who are keeping it alive at Range Magazine. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what COVID-19 crisis means, Brian? Um, this is not a no, bait. This is a USA Today question, okay? Okay. You know what the COVID-19 crisis means, don't you, Brian? Uh, destruction in our... <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. No, sir, it means shortages. It's not teepee okay. this time. It's laptops, man. COVID-19 crisis means laptops are hard to get. Welcome to a laptop shortage, says USA Today, in which the essential tool for government schools and offices was hit by a double whammy. You want to know what the double whammy is, buddy? First off, it's the COVID, don't you know? Right? Everything is the COVID. So whenever I ask you a question, all you got to do is answer the COVID uh, these days, and you'll be correct, sir. Secondly, it's Donald Trump, you know. President Donald Trump's trade tariffs on China. You put those two together, and it's a double whammy, USA Today says, sir. (laughs) Do you you want to respond to this one? Did you say uh, me, or did you say Brian? Yeah, was it me? (laughs) No, Brian first, Kurt second. How's that? Bees are before C's. So so basically, uh, we put the tariffs on China, and they they created this COVID to get back at Trump. Is that what we're thinking? Maybe or uh, I don't. They didn't say that. Now, not the USA (laughs) Today. They just said it's because of Donald. You know, it's because of the COVID and Donald. Whatever the problems are, anywhere, anytime, it doesn't matter the discussion points. All you got to say is COVID and Donald. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. It's just okay, Kurt. What do you think of this? (laughs) Well. You know, I mean, it's just the standard deal. My wife was asking me about this kind of idea. She said, well, 
Why? Because I show her some of these uh, things like, you know, the president inviting people to the White House about prayer in school or something like that. And she said she had been talking to a neighbor and said, well, you know, I've seen the president, you know, be really nice and stuff because the neighbor was saying that, you know, they were just kind of tired of the whole thing and they just wanted to not participate, you know. And, uh, you know, so my wife was trying to talk him into you know, looking at the real story, you know, listening to the exact, you know, stuff that the president says instead of what somebody else says he says, you know, and, and that's the main problem is people, you know, choosing the wrong sources. And like you've always said, Sam, he who owns the media makes the rules. Yeah, let me ask some questions about this because I'm just kind of redneck and stupid. Okay, so my question is this. <clears throat> Why are we depending on China for our laptops anyway, number one? Why are we depending on the communist nation of China for our high-tech devices? I thought back in the Ross Pro days where they mocked that poor guy for drawing circles on the board and talking like a redneck businessman, telling you it's going to be a, a sucking sound with everybody leaving and it's just going to be horrible, and they mocked and, and they said high-tech was going to save us. Why the heck then 30 years later do we have the Chinese in charge of the laptops? That's the first question. You got Barack and the Democrats in charge of the elections, and you got the Chinese in charge of the laptops. What's going on around here? Okay, that's the first question. But the second question is this. Um, if we didn't have the Chinese in charge of the laptops, would Donald be able to slap a tariff on it if we made our own? I didn't think so. Okay, and then the next question is, how does the corona relate to a shortage of laptops? Oh, well, people can't get together and build them, Sam. Why can't we just ship parts to places and have people separate in their different, you know, stalls where they can assemble these laptops. I don't understand how we can't quickly adjust. I mean, if we can build um, respirators and, and build, oh, what are those things called when you're about to die, Kurt, that we, we created a ton of them and no one needs them now? Ventilators. Ventilators. If you can assemble ventilators, can't you assemble a laptop or how redneck am I, Brian? I just <laughs> must be right. dumber than dirt. We can put together a gazillion <laughs> ventilators nobody needs, but by golly, you can't put together a laptop. It's all Donald exactly. and the tariffs. and okay, It doesn't make any sense, well, none of this. The la but yeah. the laptops, Sam, aren't they all, um, you know, uh, done typically in, like, China and stuff? Yeah, but why? And so, well, because... Why 30 years later hey, when high-tech was supposed uh, to save us are we depending on the Chinese, the communists, for our laptops anyway? Well, here's the main reason, Sam, is um, we... You know, we say we're against slavery in America, right? You know, I mean, we wouldn't want to have, you know, black people in chains doing slavery stuff. But what we do is we, you know, look at the communist Chinese. So save the say, blacks, well, take it out guys... on the Asians? Well, that's the way it looks to me, Sam. It's, uh, <laughs> right. you know, those people there, you know, get pennies an hour. And, and if they don't keep working, uh, maybe they harvest their organs or something like that. And yet the NBA is really ticked off, you know. I mean, well, the NBA uh, shut down over protests now, didn't they? Uh, well, I know. I mean, but if you if you bring up the fact that their sneakers are. Why don't we have know, the Chinese built... play ba uh, uh, basketball? And why don't we have the blacks make the laptops? What do you think of that idea, Brian? Okay, let's yeah, let's do you it. You and I can just sit back and watch it all unfold while we get a check rolling in. That's right. That's, that's, uh, See, just just it leave happen. it to Sam Bushman at Liberty Roundtable Live to ask all the dumb questions. You know. That's right. I, I yeah. But See, think about this Donald headline Trump's not for a minute. To the right person. Think about this headline though. COVID nineteen crisis means 
Laptops are hard to get. Welcome to a laptop shortage. Well, Hit by a double whammy, Kurt. The coronavirus and Donald's tariffs. I mean, what kind of a headline is is this? Well, they don't want to. It's just... It more bleeds it leads, but they've been telling us we all had to work from home and we all had to have a good uh, camera so we could do Zoom meetings from everywhere, you know, and all this stuff. So more and more people have picked them up, I think. And then, uh, hey, to imagine there'd be a shortage because, hey, uh, you've got companies that might have before been making them even in America. Maybe they get threatened uh, or they, you know, they can't work because half their employees might be either told that, hey, you can make more money staying at home uh, or you can, uh, you know, not come to work because, you know, you could get COVID, right? So, I mean, you know, there's a boatload of things that could be affecting it. The supply chain's a big one, right? Well, do you believe we even have a COVID crisis? I want to know what crisis the COVID is. I mean, how many people have died in Utah? 400 total? 90% of them in old folks' homes and stuff? I'm not saying their lives don't matter. I'm just saying, how many people do we have die you know, yearly in an old folks' home or you know, in these scenarios anyway? I don't think we have a crisis at all, Brian. Yeah, you're right. And, and you know, that, those, those two, uh, that double whammy there, I mean, is that basically news stating the fact that we, we really like the laptop. We like to use this... Uh, the, the this machine to do all of our gaming and all these things are going on and who's the problem? Well, Trump because he's caused this real problem. So, so during the election year, we want to get rid of Trump because he's causing havoc on our laptops that we need to use for our lives. Now, ready for the big criticism for the trade deficit? Donald opened up the economy earlier than other countries, and that's causing problems. Yeah. So see, you, you yeah, get him when he shuts down. You get him when he opens up. You get him when he. You get him. It's the laptops. It's Donald. I mean, Donald did everything. He caused the. I mean, he didn't react to the That's Corona right. fast enough, but yet he reacted too fast. And and you know, you just can't win with these people. But here's what I've decided to do. I'm just going to sue the government and say you need to send me a check every month because now that I don't have my laptop because y'all caused the shortage, then That's I can't right. even work. You know. They call that the stimulus package. Yeah, what do we call that? The laptop recovery project, you know? I mean, I just look at this thing, and I just look at the headlines, and I go, man, the only reason that we're in this quandary isn't President Trump, isn't tariffs, isn't... It's because we're an immoral people, sir, and when that happens, there's just problems everywhere. That's right. Along with the media doing a manufactured crisis, uh, I believe. Here's a headline for you to think about, Sam, from Bloomberg. uh, And Brian says, uh, investors hoard gold, comma, Bitcoin, and whiskey to soothe inflation fear. Yeah, that's a good combination. Well, they always say there's whiskey, women, and gold there, Brian. Well, what do you think, man? The only they're doing is leaving the women out of this discussion, you know? Eat, drink, and be merry. Well, I bet Donald's responsible for that. How do we tie that blame Donald for that, Kurt? Yeah, good point. I mean, you got to blame Donald on this, don't you? I mean, especially (laughs) Bloomberg, you'd think Bloomberg could have Donald as the problem here real soon in this story, but, um, you know, so far nothing. Well, that's going on. I'm just wondering when Donald or when uh, Barack was born. Yeah. Was that dude really born, you know? Right. That's right. 
All right. It turns out, you know how we are defending Jerry Falwell, Kurt? Not defending his actions, but what we are saying is, you know what? If he is mired in sin, if him and his wife did sin and did run off the rails, and if the accusations are true and all that kind of stuff, we pray for them and they deserve and need repentance. And we believe that everybody can change and we pray they can, you know, solve those problems and and then we said, even we hope that for Bill Clinton and many others um, that are in, involved in this as well. And we shouldn't take yep. sides. We should be kind. Huh? Well, now Becky Falwell confirms the sexual affair. She denies uh-huh. Jerry's involvement. She denies that her husband Jerry was involved. And she says it's a shame that Christians can't give us the same forgiveness that Christ gave us. And I find that interesting because on the radio we did offer that forgiveness and did offer that, hey, get with your family, repent. Uh, you know what? I don't know who was involved. I don't know the circumstances. I don't even want to d- dive into the salacious details. What I do want to say is you can turn to Christ. There are answers. There is repentance. There is a way forward. Let's not forget it. The university should move forward untarnished. Jerry should get the help that he needs. Uh, his wife should get the help she needs. And everybody should move forward, and there should be forgiveness for all these people. And I mentioned that it should be on both sides of the aisle. And when, where are the Me Too women to help with this cause? And it's interesting that she reaches out and makes the same point that I'm making now, which is, you know what, I'm not defending their actions one iota. But I am saying, is there a way forward for these people? And I think there is. And I think the answer is Jesus Christ. And I, I think that uh, it's interesting that Becky reaches out with that same kind of a comment, Brian. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I think you're right on, Sam. That's just how I and, run around. And you're probably going to hear that on the headline from NBC and CBS and stuff like that, too. That'll be coming Almost up got uh, real soon. Yeah, yeah. But really, that's how we spew hate everywhere, Brian. That's right. <laughs> just saying that we even our, even the folks that, you know, for example, Hillary was saying it was bimbo eruptions back in the day. You know what? She needs forgiveness for that disregard right. that callous view uh, where are the me too right. people to help you know uh, we need to forgive bill clinton for his mistakes look he can't change them are they wrong absolutely are they offensive to the soul without a doubt but at some point there's got to be a way forward well i think one of the way forwards too is, is uh admitting the truth and and, and that and, and trying to make change and, and getting the help you need right? All right well jerry may not have a laptop because there's a shortage don't you know blame that on the donald but here's what here's what Jerry does have. Jerry Falwell is reportedly entitled to a $10.5 million, quote, severance package because of his contract, primarily because uh, I guess there's not a formula accusation against him of wrongdoing. Uh, and that's Becky's point as well. And I find that interesting. Yeah. There you yeah. have it. Anyway, we thought we'd bring that to your attention. Guess who we have next coming up, Kurt? Mm, who? Jerry? Pete Sepp of the National Taxpayers Union. Yeah. Mr. We're going to break Pete. down what's being done to try to recover the economy. A lot's being done, and you're going to hear all about it. Brian, thank you, sir. Godspeed. Hey, you guys are doing awesome. Thanks for having me on. Brian Russ with us always, ladies and gentlemen. Honest Money Report, RussCoinandGift.com. Spread the word. you got a friend in the honest money business. Casting live 
From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kirk Crosby live on your radio. This is the broadcast for August 27th in the year of our Lord, 2020. This is our two of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Our guest, Pete Sepp, president of National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org. Welcome back, my friend. Great to be here. Man, there's so much to discuss, I don't even know where to start. Did you know there's a laptop shortage, sir? A laptop shortage? Yes, sir. Wow. And well, so, I imagine a lot of people ordering those for their kids right now. Yeah, what I find fascinating is USA Today blames it on a double whammy. They blame it on the COVID and on President Trump and his tariffs. And I find that an interesting point-the-finger blame game. And the reason that I bring this up is because uh, laptop shortages are merely a symptom of reality. They're a symptom of what we're facing, uh, not only economically, but et cetera, et cetera. And I don't want to blame President Trump and the tariffs or blame the Chinese or blame the COVID or, or blame anything else. What I want to do is take a step back and say, what can we do to remedy the situation for the American people? What's the most prudent way to set aside our differences and double down and work together to say, let's bring back the economy. Let's bring back uh, productivity. Let's bring back uh, savings. Let's let's find ways to uh, make sure that businesses can operate. Let's. How come we can't just get there in this crisis time? Yeah, unfortunately, politics can still rule, and that's the problem here in Washington D.C. I suppose it's probably better for taxpayers that uh, the Senate and the House could not come up with a sufficiently efficacious deal, a so-called phase four COVID relief package to send to the president's desk. They left town for several weeks. They'll be coming back in September to try again. But when they try again, are we just going to spend more money aimlessly, or are we actually going to produce some more policy choices that will actually help America's economy get back on its feet and help taxpayers at the same time? That's a big question right now. Can we, in a crisis time, set aside our differences and set aside the, the I got to you know, get my ideas across, or I got to, can we set it aside and say the crisis right now justifies us working together? We don't want to give socialist handouts, okay? We don't want to, but at the same time, we've got to do something significant. What should it be? How should we approach this? I guess there was a speaker that spoke at the RNC that kind of made this very clear contrast. The choice is ours. Communist tyranny versus capitalist republic. Uh, And and I guess that goes a long way towards this discussion. Um, Can we set aside our differences enough to get something done? First off, do you believe we can? And then secondly, do you believe we will? Yeah, I think we can. I think we will, but I think it will be a pretty limited effort given the fact that we are now entering the home stretch of the presidential and congressional election season. You know, members of both parties will say they're willing to uh, put policy above politics uh, on behalf of the American people. But that can only go so far when an election is now about two and a half, three months away. (laughs) It's, It's not going to be 
uh, as easy as uh, many people think it is. I do believe that if we start from the premise that the American people still need help from Washington as far as good policy decisions that can get the economy moving even faster than it has been, get businesses open again, get people back to work. Now, that's not necessarily a handout. That's not necessarily continuing the very generous unemployment benefits that have been uh, taking place uh, ever since March and April of this year. It means transitioning from those unemployment benefits into employment. That's the best way to help the American people. And fortunately, there are a lot of proposals out there among members of Congress to do things like here is a $2 tax credit for every dollar of unemployment benefits if you take a job right now. I think that's a way to say to people, we want you to be able to get back to work, even if it means taking a job for the time being that wasn't necessarily paying as well as the one you might have lost earlier this year. What it means is providing the tax relief to businesses so that they will feel comfortable and safe right now and in the near term opening up and staying open. We can design very narrow credits for that kind of thing, but we can also do long-term policies that say to businesses, no worries, you may not want to expand right now, but as long as you stay open and you want to make plans for two, three years down the horizon, you're going to have tax policy that will support your decisions or at least not get in your way. Now, I want to look at this as objectively as I can. You know, there's a lot of proposals, as you mentioned. Have the National Taxpayers Union researched the proposals on the table, and what's the best way forward right now? Yeah, there are a we, lot of We can of do them, a nonpartisan actually. discussion here, right? Yes, we, we most certainly can. In fact, uh, there are a number of them that are uh, bipartisan in nature already on the table. And the only reason I say nonpartisan as opposed to bipartisan is I want to bring along all the third party and the independent people too. This is not a party discussion. This is not a divide discussion. This is a everybody needs to come to the table and set aside their differences discussion. And what is the best way forward, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think one place to start, for example, would be uh, the employee retention tax credit for businesses. Now, Uh, That is uh, a program that was set up in uh, the very first response to the COVID crisis called uh, the um, CARES Act. And uh, what that legislation does, this, again, is sponsored by Democrats and Republicans alike. Uh, You've got uh, Susan Delbene, Democrat of Washington, Chris Pappas, Democrat of New Hampshire, uh, John Katko, Republican of New York. Uh, They're going to increase the employee retention tax credit. Um, It used to be uh, 50% of $10,000 in wages per employees. They want to make it 80% of up to $15,000 in wages paid. They want to expand the number of businesses that can qualify for the employee retention tax credit. I think this is a good place to start. And to your point, Sam, uh, sure, I, I definitely think we should be saying nonpartisan. Uh, The point being, 
this is not just a bill being proposed by Republicans. Uh, this has a broad base of support, and that's really where we ought to be starting from when we want to make policy that's going to get the kind of backing it needs to get to the president's desk and get signed into law. In the research you guys have done, what is the best way? I think one of the best ways personally is I look at my taxes and I say, hey, income tax, property tax, and um, employment tax are the biggest taxes I pay by far. Can't we start there? Yes, certainly can. You know, that was the business side I was talking about. I think more needs to be done for uh, businesses when it comes to expensing equipment and investments and hiring. Uh, the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act did a good job of that, but uh, many of those provisions regarding expensing, at least, are going to expire soon. But on the individual side, we need to start thinking about uh, more income tax relief. Uh, what if we, we just are... created tax-free Fridays and zero taxes were charged on Friday for anything? Yeah. No That's... sales tax, no property tax, no whatever. And all you'd have to do is figure out whatever your property tax bill is, say it's over whatever period, divide it by the number of days, find out how many Fridays. And all you'd have to do is just cut everything by, hey, tax-free Fridays. You'd go buy your food yeah. on Fridays. You'd, you'd create the biggest economic boom you've ever seen in your life. Well, and sure, and that could be pretty easy to calculate on the government side. I mean, if you want to do that for property taxes, well, uh, then, as you say, uh, take uh, 52 Fridays and uh, divide that into 365. Or if it's and, quarterly uh, that you get taxed for every six months, just to adjust yeah. the math accordingly there, back out the dollars, it'll be dead easy to accomplish, and you'd have tax-free Fridays for everybody. Yes. Yes. Or uh, if people are worried that that's going to drive out too many crowds and there's going to be problems with COVID, uh, you could easily design a system where each individual taxpayer has a tax-free day uh, that, that they can use to go shopping. Uh, there are a variety of ways you could implement something like that. But your point, the basic one is one day a week you get tax relief. Uh, that reduces your bill to zero. That's one way to do it. And I just bring it up because I know oftentimes when it's back to school, they're like, hey, we got tax-free shopping day or small business Saturday or whatever we have. And, 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 they, and they get rid of some taxes for that and they try to help. But I'm just saying, if you were to top to bottom get rid of taxes on a given day, you'd give everybody, in essence, one-seventh, well, because if you don't count Sundays, one-sixth, whatever you want to call it, about a 15% benefit that way. Uh, the other way would be to simply abolish the IRS entirely. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that would take much more work, and I think I think it would get bogged down in Congress. Uh, the the yeah. solution you propose is very simple. But when and we come back, I want to know, uh, all the research you guys have done, what's the best way forward and what are the most viable things on the table for real? My ideas might be good, but they're not really on the table for discussion. They're just Sam Bushman's wish list, right? And I appreciate how my wish list is really important and all that kind of stuff. But, hey, uh, what's the most viable? What's the most realistic, reasonable? What's the ones, what's being talked about? What really can we look forward to possibly happening? Pete Sepp answers in seconds. 
transport back in time to our nation's founding at the Freedom's Light Festival. Visit with freedom fighters, colonial artisans, music, contests, prizes, over 35 activities for the whole family. Schedule a school field trip and fulfill the federal requirement to teach the Constitution. Can you crack the spy codes used to win the Revolutionary War? Take home a founding document printed on the exact replica Isaiah Thomas used for the first Declaration of Independence. Register and compete in the Constitution Bowl. Join us September 17th through the 19th. Register at freedomslight.us. Freedomslight.us. This event is completely free. Now more than ever, we need to ensure Freedom's Light is not extinguished. Let's keep this light shining in the hearts and minds of our children. Freedomslight.us. That's Freedomslight.us. Hi, I'm Patty, wife of former Congressman Steve Stockman. In Congress, Steve sought impeachment of Eric Holder for his corruption of the Justice Department and his fast and furious gun running that caused border agent Brian Talley's death. Steve called for arrest of Lois Lerner for her contempt of Congress as it investigated her targeting of conservative nonprofit groups. After four years, four grand juries, and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text FIGHT to 444-999. Text F-I-G-H-T to 444-999 or go to defendapatriot.com. Defendapatriot.com. All right, Pete Sepp with us, president of the National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org. So uh, as you study this, what are the most viable options from a realistic point of view of, of uh, really making the, accomplishing the goal, if you will? And then secondly, what options are on the table that are realistically uh, going to be seriously considered, Pete? Well, I think we can start for example, with a proposal from Congressman Kevin Brady. It's called the Reopening America by Supporting Workers and Businesses Act. What it does is allow unemployment beneficiaries who can return to work to keep up to two weeks of the supplemental federal unemployment benefits after accepting a job, and that's comparable to a $1,200 hiring bonus. Uh, There's a similar proposal in the Senate from Rob Portman of Ohio, uh, that's a place to start to, that, again, as I mentioned earlier, says to folks, we're going to support you going back to work because we believe that's the best possible value we can deliver for taxpayers and for workers. You know, we, we can continue the extensions of unemployment benefits or we can create a new system, a temporary one, that says to people, we'd like you to return to work instead of just continue to collect unemployment benefits. And I think that sends a message to workers while we send a message to employers that we're going to support reopening America for business safely, responsibly, but as soon as we possibly can. Well, 
Mr. Pete Sepp, uh, the original, uh, right on the radio <laughs> with us. Every time we have you, I always think of the uh, days of old when we'd hear, uh, we'd call and hear, uh, this is a replica of Pete Sepp, uh, but the original and the real thing is with us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar with the National Taxpayers Union, you ought to be. NTU.org is their website, and uh, we've watched them for years, making a difference in one of the roughest places in the world to make a difference, Washington, D.C. Uh, you know, Pete, uh, I don't know what else to add here except for, uh, I don't know, maybe you have certain things on your agenda that you want to bring up, uh, continue this uh, topic or others. Uh, what else uh, would you like to say to our listeners? Well, certainly there are other proposals here, uh, Senator Mitt Romney, actually, of uh, Utah, has introduced something called a Patriot Pay, a proposal that would provide what he calls a uh, temporary bonus for essential workers who stay on the job rather than either quit or have become unemployed. And this is, an, again, another way to avoid an open-ended extension of the federal unemployment benefit boost and provide a, a payroll tax credit uh, that would uh, for these bonuses that would be limited to employees uh, of uh, a certain income level. Uh, I, again, I think this is a way to offer alternatives to simply throwing more money at the problem. Uh, there is additional legislation sponsored by Democrats and Republicans that would allow millions of Americans who have flexible spending accounts to uh, roll over their unspent money to next year so that they can use those tax advantage benefits for expenditures in 2021. Uh, believe it or not, a lot of people have accumulated big balances in their flexible spending accounts during this crisis. Well, number one, because they haven't been able to get any uh, daycare. Uh, many folks have these accounts uh, in order to fund daycare. Uh, the daycare centers have been closed, and so this money is sitting unused. They're going to lose it at the end of the year unless the law provides an extension uh, to allow them to continue it. That serves taxpayers very well. And again, it has Democratic and Republican co-sponsors. Uh, I, I think that it would be important to start from that broad base, just as with these other proposals I've been talking about, and then uh, this kind of builds on itself. If you can do a few small things together and cooperate, it helps to build a climate of trust that allows you to do some of the bigger things. And uh, we have some big things on the agenda we need to worry about. Uh, Sam brought up one of them, uh, property taxes. Uh, many businesses are still getting property tax assessments in the mail, as well as homeowners that don't reflect economic reality or, frankly, future economic reality. They're based on property values and income streams that no longer exist. We have to do something to address this problem with property taxes on a, a broad basis. Well, well, I know um, many <laughs> of these governments are going to be saying things like this. Hey, you know what? We, um, we will melt down with government services if we can't you know, generate this revenue that we've been counting on. And my response is one of the biggest things that need to be done is we need to cut back the service level of government. 
And what we don't need to do is put the political things in your face to make it difficult so that, uh, you know, you want to argue about it. But there's a lot of ways we could really reduce the size and scope of government at all levels. There's never been a better opportunity. It's almost like a blessing in disguise, Kurt, if we're wise about it. Kurt, first, well, then Pete. And, and Pete May, I don't know if you've seen any of this, but uh, I, over this whole COVID thing, um, COVID thing, the, uh, you know, schools have been closed down and everything else, but I haven't seen hardly any uh, reports of government expenditures being cut back. Uh, in fact, um, you know, I've even seen some reports where they wanted more, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, uh, you know, there should be a great opportunity for a lot less expense there. But, uh, you know, what I wanted to really ask you now as you go forward, uh, you know, with I know we like to talk about solutions here, but, you know, if we get down to the real and you look at what's going on in the Capitol um Washington, D.C., and with the political, um, you know, the president's election and everything all coming up and all that stuff. What do you think um, you'll see happen before the election and or, you know, closely following it when it comes to these uh, issues, Pete? I think that uh, what you're going to see is a very small legislative package uh, certainly not the size of the so-called HEROES Act that House Democrats passed involving a couple trillion dollars of additional spending, if not more. It, you know, it depends on how you read the provisions. It'll be something uh, less probably than the so-called HEALS Act that uh, the Republican-controlled Senate was working on before they threw up their hands and walked away. Uh, that alone uh, was still... Uh, several hundred billion dollars. I think what you'll probably see is an attempt to just extend some of the unemployment benefits, uh, perhaps uh, make another round of uh, direct payments to individuals from the Treasury and the mail, and they'll want to call it a day. I hope that they'll consider some of the legislative proposals we've just been discussing, because, again, they have a broad base of support, and if members of Congress really do care about the American people and an economic recovery and helping to respond to COVID, well, these kinds of bills that have support on both sides of the aisle ought to be able to pass as long as they're in session. We're going to try very hard to do that. There's so many areas that they could make subtle changes that would make such a big difference. And I think that whatever we do, we've got a couple uh, the decrease in government services and or spending. And we've got to find out which government services and or spending would impact the citizenry the least. So foreign aid, for example, is a great one. We could just simply say we don't have the ability to provide all this foreign aid around the world. Now, that won't negatively affect an American citizen uh, really at all. In fact, it might be better to, to stay out of harm's way there. Um, but if we cut expenditures, then the need for government money won't be so great. And then as a result, as they kind of pare back the the taxes and the, the hit to the American people, if you will, uh, things will get better. And I, I'm afraid that oftentimes when we discuss this, they don't really tie the two together, do they, Pete? No, they rarely do. And there is still plenty of waste, fraud, and abuse that needs to be addressed in government. But more to your point... 
there needs to be a resetting of priorities. And uh, as Kurt was mentioning, the schools uh, have been dramatically slowed down in the way they operate. Uh, closed. Uh, the online instruction has been anywhere from pretty good to non-existent, depending on what area of the country that you're in. Uh, school bus fleets are idle. Schools uh, as facilities are only barely maintained. Uh, maybe this is a time for us to explore how we provide education more efficiently and effectively and giving parents more control over how instruction occurs. National Pax Taxpayers Union, one of the greatest think tanks in America, NTU.org. The president, Pete Sepp, with us, continuing in seconds on your radio. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. Hurricane Laura making landfall near Cameron, Louisiana, with maximum sustained winds of 150 miles an hour. Those winds weakening a bit in the past hour, and parts of southeast Texas are thankful to have been missed by the worst of the storm. Jefferson County spokesperson Allison Getz says the Golden Triangle region around Beaumont was extremely lucky. We're praying for the folks in Louisiana who uh, have seemed to have sustained a significant damage during the storm. I I don't know why, but it appears like we've dodged the bullet. California firefighters making progress in their battle against wildfires as tens of thousands continue to evacuate. Over 700 fires have started in the state in the past two weeks, and seven people have died in the fires. This is USA Radio News. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I am very pleased with your product. I haven't been sick since I've been taking this, and I contribute a lot of my energy and my health to your product, and I just want to keep taking it. So you guys just keep making it, okay? I just thank God for your company. Balance of Nature is now offering 35% off on any new preferred order. Go to balanceofnature.com today and use discount code USA. While you have free time and you're sitting at home and you ponder what kind of gifts to buy for someone, PatriotDepot.com has you covered from puzzles, games, novelty items. If you're looking for some unique style items when it comes to the president, for more, you can check out PatriotDepot.com. Call 844-377-8052. That's 844-377-8052. Or PatriotDepot.com. Use promo code USA. Economic reports released this morning, one of them showing the number of Americans filing for unemployment benefits did drop by 98,000 last week to a million. But economist Joel Naroff says there are still jobs being lost. The next employment report will be released on September 4th. And given the high number of job losses, it could be a lot less than hoped for. Meanwhile, the nation's economy did not slow down as much in the second quarter as analysts had predicted, but it still contracted quite a bit, the second reading on GDP. During the second quarter, down 31.7% on an annual basis, experts had predicted 
expected about a 32.5% drop. And in still more economic news, Fed Chair Jerome Powell is giving Wall Street investors a reason to keep the red-hot markets going, announcing that the Fed will allow inflation to run hotter than it normally would to help the nation recover. And this is USA Radio News. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, Pete Sepp with us, National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org, one of the greatest think tanks on tax reform, appropriately paying taxes that are necessary versus out-of-control expenditures we got to reject. How do you strike an appropriate balance? Not only do we need to talk about uh, reducing government expenditures at the same time as how to uh, bring back the economy, one of the great ways I think this could be done, um, Pete Sepp, is this. Uh, you know, education is important, but education is a great example to highlight uh, what the changes are. Uh, the expenditures for education have reduced drastically. As you mentioned, buildings barely being maintained. Uh, as you mentioned, school buses basically uh, being shut down and not needed. Same thing's true with the economy and people working from home. You know what? If people work from home a whole lot more, we don't need near as much road maintenance because, hey, the roads aren't being destroyed so fast. Um, I can go on and on about that. But my point is, you know, what we need to do is encourage behavior and promote behavior that creates less of a demand for systems and services and et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's one of the great keys that we can work on, you know, working from home. I'm not suggesting it should be mandated, but I am suggesting it's one of the great ways to say, hey, it'll slow the spread of the coronavirus. It's not a forced thing. It will decrease the roads. It'll decrease the, uh, you know, spewing uh, toxins into the environment. It will. And, and all I'm saying is, as we do more of this, we don't need near the infrastructure build out. We don't need near the maintenance and the costs. And the can't we look at and has the NTU already looked at um, saying as we make these changes, what changes have the biggest impact on the less need for money and, and expenditures? Because I think that's oh, one of the yes. great equations, too. Right. Yeah, definitely so. And here's where a lot of uh, state and federal tax policy can come in, because there's an issue that's uh, very complex and has been uh, bandied about for probably 50 years now uh, and has been especially intense over the last 10 years called tax nexus. What do you do when a business might be located in one city or in one state? whereby the workers are in another city or another state and often work remotely. Uh, what does that mean for taxation? Uh, whose income gets taxed where? Whose profit gets taxed where? And this has become especially acute during the COVID-19 crisis. We've put out a lot of information and have been monitoring legislation at the state and federal level to try to clarify these nexus issues so that there are good rules of the road that will enable telework and remote work without a lot of tax obstacles and tax regulations weighing people down. Uh, there's an issue brief on our website by uh, our foundation. It's, it's the Interstate Commerce Initiative, and it's called uh, a legislative framework for addressing remote work nexus issues. We're tracking legislation in upwards of a dozen and a half states affecting individuals and businesses about how they want to change the way remote work is taxed. There's a bill in Congress, again, 
Democratic and Republican co-sponsors. It's called the Mobile Workforce State Income Tax Simplification Act, a mouthful. But basically what it does is it sets down limits on how states can claim a slice of the tax of remote workers. Uh, in other words, a remote worker uh, has to have worked in a state for at least 30 days before the state can make a claim of tax. Uh, that's a very important thing because it keeps states from saying, aha, you passed through our jurisdiction for a few days last year. Uh, we want a slice of your money. Uh, same way with the uh, Business Activity Tax Simplification Act, also called FATSA, another mouthful. But the basic problem is to make sure that business income, when it is earned at the state level, is taxed by only one state at a time. You States do not get multiple bites of the same apple. These are more important bills than ever. They've been on the table in Congress for 10, even 20 years, but now they're especially important. We need to think about these questions, get this legislation passed now so that we create that environment that you were just speaking about, Sam. This brings up the question, because President Trump has put out a payroll tax executive order, and a lot of people are wondering, hey, how are people going to be uh, affected by this? It's a very complicated, in my opinion, way to go about it. I get the president's need to act. At the same time, it, it, it can be very complicated quick, right? Oh, yes, very much so, because this is an executive order that allows the deferral, deferral of certain payroll taxes between September 1 and December 31 of this year. And deferral is an important word because it doesn't mean that uh, nobody has to pay those taxes between September 1 and December 31. It simply means that you can pay them later. And many folks uh, and their employers have a decision to make here because this is not a mandatory executive order. It's an executive order allowing the voluntary deferral of certain payroll taxes. An employer may decide, I'm not going to do it for anybody. So I'm just going to keep withholding and remitting to government all of the payroll taxes that I as the employer have to pay and the employee does. Because uh, the big problem with this is this idea that it's temporary, this idea that it may be forced to pay back later by somebody somewhere, somehow. It's this uncertainty, in my opinion, that becomes the Achilles heel of this thing, right? Yes, yes. And, you know, there's a whole question of whether the executive branch has the authority to do this long term. Uh, certainly it can do so in the case of an emergency, which is what's happening now. And the executive branch has deferred uh, payment of these taxes in the past. But can they defer collection of the taxes? Can they defer um, actual uh, repayment of the taxes and say, you know what, um, uh, next year don't even worry about paying them back? Uh, that is a big, open legal question. It's one reason why Congress should have stepped in and clarified this, but they didn't. Uh, the president, again, felt he had to take action. Well, and the defer word is what scares me, though. We don't need deferment. What we don't need is later people feeling like they're on the hook. This is what plagued the PPP and the EDI, 
EIDL loans and these things where people don't have certainty about what's expected of them and people are hesitant and people took the money thinking it's a windfall and went out and spent money on boats and cars and things they probably shouldn't have and now they're going to have to pay the piper for that and the problem is this uncertainty whatever we do we need to make it consistent and certain to where people know what to count on and what to expect coming out of the other end of this thing if you don't you will have nothing but confusion uh, and nothing but uh, the lack of compliance and frustration and anger. And what you may do is temporarily boost the economy only to take a greater penalty on the other end. Yes, exactly. And this is why smart policymaking would have been clear from the beginning about whether this was deferral or whether this was actual uh, forgiveness of payment. Uh, it would have been something that was communicated widely, it would have been robust, and it would have been put into statutory law rather than executive order. We didn't get any of those things, and the result is predictable, a lot of confusion. What if we just said on your income tax you're going to back out $1,000 per person uh, every year for the next 10 years uh, and in your family that you're responsible for? In other words, your dependents just Whatever you owe on your taxes, just back it out. And if there's a, a number that the government owes you, the government's not going to pay you, but they are going to let you use that going forward. And, and really what we'd be doing is basically negating the income tax for the most part for most people. Yeah, and, you know, you make an interesting point, Sam, because we focus so much on temporary measures. Send out a round of checks from the Treasury. Provide a credit that will last for this year and perhaps next. But what is it that the American people really need right now? I think they need some kind of long-term assurance that even if we get a vaccine and things wax and wane and then there's a COVID-20 that comes along and threatens America, no matter what's ahead, you're going to have more financial resources to take care of your family. What if we sent that message and said, we're not talking about months. We're not talking about 2021. We're talking about years. And we're also not talking about today you get a benefit, tomorrow you get nailed for it. You get hung out the dry. It's going to be consistent and long enough to make sure that, hey, there's no benefit today and, and, and you know, I don't, know what, I don't know what to say, economic destruction tomorrow or at the end of this thing. It's going to be long-term enough and stable enough to where, hey, um, you can work your way out of this. All the benefits you get now can, can be worked through later, too. That certainty has got to be part of this. That consistency, yeah. that long-term view has got to be a component of this thing. Yes, absolutely. I think that the confidence that people had in the future – of years and years has been undermined. Policy has to address that. All right. NTU has two articles on their website. I want to bounce off Pete Sepp in a second. First one, Paul Biggs' legislation would expand HSA options for millions. We'll talk about it. Dad, can you make him stop? Honey, he needs to practice. He's been at it an hour. Well, just trying to be patient. Dad... It sounds like a cat calling for help or something. Worse, a basement full of cats. Yeah. You know, hon, it is a little hard on the ears. Not you, too. Well, maybe we can all play a game. Andrew, do you want to play a board game? Uh, how about we watch a video? Hide and seek? Oh, I don't know. I give up. Maybe we could all just sneak out of the house. Honey, he's nine years old. We can't leave him home alone. And? We can make him practice with a sock. 
Well, I guess we'll have to get some ice cream. Did I hear someone say ice cream? Family, isn't it about time? Oh, I see the practice hasn't hurt your ears. Well, I'm a serious musician. Funny that you never seem to get better on that thing. Works every time. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hey, uh, where did all these cats come from? I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. As a teenager, I gave my first public speech in my church. My hand shook, my heart pounded. I thought to myself, I can't do this, but somehow I did. And because I wanted to talk about things that were important, I persisted. I chided my church as a senior in high school for not seeming to care about the not yet born, for looking the other way and for not taking a stand on life. I will be in earnest. I will not equivocate and I will not excuse. I will not retreat an inch and I will be heard. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. Paul Biggs' legislation would expand HSA options for millions. First, Pete, give people a 30-second on what an HSA is. It's a health savings account, right? Yeah. A health savings account, of course, is a tax-free way for Americans to set aside dollars to pay for certain health care expenditures. Uh, it's like a flexible spending account, only there are bigger limits, more options, and it's not necessarily tied to an employer. So HSAs are a great way for families and individuals to provide for their own health care while not having to be taxed on those dollars. Well, there are still restrictions on HSAs, though, and they seem especially ill-suited for the problems we're facing now. Uh, you have to have, if you want an HSA, what's called a high-deductible health plan. Um, an insurance bare-bones coverage with a very high deductible, as the term indicates. Uh, there are also still contribution limits to the HSA that uh, don't necessarily make it attractive. And you can't use HSA dollars to pay for other insurance premiums. Well, that doesn't make much sense either. This legislation from Senator Rand Paul and Congressman Andy Biggs, uh, so there are bills in both the House and Senate, would expand HSA options, clear away those barriers I just mentioned, and make health savings accounts more attractive and available to millions more Americans. It's a smart move. We should be doing it now. Kurt, do you want to respond to this? Uh, I brought up, I think, a lot of uh, ideas and, and, and concepts that I think are important. HSAs are important right now when people have a lot of health problems, whether it be Corona based or whether it be, um, you know, because of the Corona, we can't get the health care we need. Putting money in people's health care accounts and giving flexible, flexible options uh, is important. Now, I personally don't think they ought to have these health care accounts that control people's money in the first place. You should be able to use your money for whatever you need. But one of the greatest ways we can help people right now is in, in all these government specific expenditure 
um, you know, regulated things is to open them up and make them more flexible, whether it be a 401k or an IRA or a health savings account or whatever else. One of the great ways is to make these things more flexible and more usable for folks without penalties and without complications. Kurt? So you're kind of saying you're a little bit pro-choice, Sam, is what you're saying? Uh, as long uh, as you don't so, add pro-death to that mix, absolutely, yeah, sir. Good point. So you're basically saying that people ought to be able to choose what they want their money to be used for? I mean, imagine that kind of idea going on in Washington, D.C., Pete. Yeah, <laughs> imagine. It happens every once in a while, but certainly not enough. Ah. <sighs> I don't know how many of these ideas are real. In other words, they're good ideas, Pete. We're having a great conversation. I think we're being fair. We're being nonpartisan. We're opening up options and creating ideas. How much of this is really making it to Congress? Are they really even discussing this, or are they just too busy fighting about elections to get anything done? No, I think that there's enough discussion here. These are good bills that have been drafted, have been cleared through legislative council, bills that we have studied at National Taxpayers Union, bills that are gaining co-sponsors every day from Republicans as well as Democrats, bills that have often been already the subject of hearings in committee, bills that can be easily folded into larger packages and complement each other. These are serious proposals. Am I saying that members of Congress are ready to do this right away? Well, no, they take pushing and they take input, I think, from the American people who say, look, when you come back in September and October, these are the things that need to be at the top of your agenda. Just tone down the election year rhetoric for a few days. That's all we're asking. A few days so you can do what you need to to finally get these bills passed through your chamber. The big, major work of drafting the bills and, in some cases, getting hearings on these bills has already happened. All you need to do now is follow through. I mean, imagine Congress following through. I don't know about that, Pete. I mean, Washington, <laughs> D.C. following through, that's a kind of a Tall big, big it's, it's not easy. You know, hey, they they did it in 2017 with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. They did it last year with the Taxpayer First Act. They've done it with things like the Data Act. They've done it with other no-brainer bills that we've supported. They can do it again. Yeah, but this time, Pete, you've got the possible re-election of Donald J. Trump which, as far as I can see, is, well, I've never seen any uh, group um, completely opposed to basically anything that might make him look good, uh, both in the media and and in uh, the swamp, if you will, uh, where you reside. All right. Don't you see a big well, difference there? The, the only thing you can do to counter a huge force like that is to make Democrats look good at the same time. And that's why you have to pick bills that have Democratic supporters and get those passed, you know, ones that have Democratic and Republican supporters, get those passed because you remove the partisanship or at least minimize the partisanship of the bill that's at issue. That's how we got, for example, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights passed 
1988, which was a viciously partisan environment between George H.W. Bush and Michael Dukakis, we were able to make sure that Democrats and Republicans in Congress got enough credit for passing that bill that it didn't matter who got credit. Uh, in other words, we got to jettison got the credit. idea. We got to jettison the idea that I win, you lose. And we've yeah. got to have this idea of how can we all benefit? How can we serve the American people? Uh, and one of the reasons that I brought up about what people are doing in Washington, one, I want to know what's being done and what we can support and all that kind of stuff. But on your website, ntu.org, and I mentioned that because I, I really want people to go there and start to get involved and, and, and become active, ntu.org. But on ntu.org, there's a headline that says, NTU, National Taxpayers Union, endorses seven good government bills from RSC Gear Tax Force. Is that what it is? Yes. All right, what's yes. RSC Gear Task Force first, and then let's talk about this, the bills. Yeah, it's from the Republican Study Committee, which is a conservative caucus in the House of Representatives, and GEAR stands for Government Efficiency, Accountability, and Reform Task Force. And they have come up with a whole list of seven no-brainer bills that, again, ought to be appealing to Democrats as well as Republicans to make government more efficient, less wasteful. Here's one of them, the Guidance Out of Darkness or Good Act. It would require federal agencies to publish all of their non-regulatory guidance documents in a single location online. Now, the president has already issued an executive order in this regard, but the agencies are pushing back. They are saying, believe it or not, we can't find all the non-regulatory guidance we've published and put it in one place. This bill would lend Congress's authority behind it and say, you've got to do this. And it's so important, especially for small business owners, to know what kind of non-regulatory guidance is out there, because this is the way federal agencies flex their muscles against everyday Americans. They, you know, even a person who's well-versed in Formal federal regulations, uh, like surrounding the workplace, safety regulations, and then suddenly some inspector with OSHA, the federal agency, comes in and says, well, wait, you didn't read this guidance document we published three years ago saying that uh, you have to provide X number of washing stations for your employees, and they have to be this high off the ground. We're going to cite you for a violation. That kind of nonsense needs to stop, and this is the kind of legislation that can stop it. Pete, uh, real quick, uh, one of these times I have to tell you about the story about when I was out selling my honey and I got the uh, one of these bureaucrats like you're talking about came up and said that my honey was uh, embargoed. I was embargoed. like, oh, what's uh, that mean? Anyway, so it's a long story, but the bottom line is uh, you, it's right how there's, uh, you know, these armies of bureaucrats that can basically just shut down uh, business and uh, progress uh, everywhere, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, there absolutely are. And there's another bill in this package, the Eliminate Agency Excess Space Act. There are something like 10,000 excess federal properties that are unutilized or underutilized by their government tenants, 
uh, the General Services Administration gets in the way of selling off those properties. Uh, we have to remove that roadblock. This is a bill that would do so. I mean, even now, we need to make sure, especially now, we need to make sure that the federal government isn't holding on to properties it doesn't need. Well, it's surprising to me that Congress, uh, and, and they've created a coalition that's already got this much done, though. When you think about seven bills that are no-brainers, that are seven good government bills that NTU has already been able to review, uh, understand, and endorse, and support, and seven bills, people have already done all the work, people have built the coalition, people have built the, uh, you know, the nonpartisan uh, work to get this done, that this already is in place and exists. I don't know how many people know that, but that's where the people need to understand, get knowledge of, and start to push. Because yeah, that seven absolutely. bills could then be 30 bills, and then could be, and we could start to really get behind answers, solutions, yes. for crying out loud, Pete. That's exactly right. And these make small, tiny steps of progress individually. Collectively, they make a pretty big step. But as you said, pass these seven bills first, and then suddenly we're passing 10, 20, 30, 40. And then we're making huge steps toward restoring the constitutional government that we all want. Wow. It sounds so easy, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it, is, it is not easy, but it is feasible if we stay focused, if we work hard. And hard work has the benefit of paying off and showing that if you do it even more, if you continue it, you're going to have even more success. It builds on itself. But when you say it's not easy, but it's feasible, I want to take that feasible point a little further and say not only feasible, it's probable if enough people get involved. In other words, if you had 5 million Americans literally saying in unison, pass the seven, pass the seven. People are like, what the heck is past the seven? And then pretty soon past the seven means let's have nonpartisan reform and let's do it now. The people demand it. The people need it. Past the seven. Okay. Past the seven. And you could literally instantly overnight create a groundswell to make this not only possible, not only feasible, but probable, Pete. Yes, exactly. That's all it takes. And that's a fantastic slogan. And I'm going to pass that along to the sponsors of the bill. I don't need credit. I'm just an American, buddy. We just need to get this done. That's all I'm saying. My friend, we appreciate you and your leadership and all that you guys do. Well, thank you very much. And Godspeed to you guys. You are the voice of America's taxpayers. Thank you, sir. Pete Sepp, National Taxpayers Union. Kurt, I'm, I'm telling you, we watched these guys for decades, and they do some of the best work. I'm just telling you right now, pass the seven, Kurt. Goodness, I don't want to pass the ammunition like the riders. I just want to pass the seven. God save the republic. <laughs>